0: SMEs, business owners and founders, even the CEOs of big business. It only costs 450 rand per month and will be coming in, but I mean coming in hot. So subscribe now to Ideas That Matter Plus, now available on Spotify or Apple Podcast Store. Sayonara.
1: This podcast is proudly brought to you by My Growth Fund in partnership with Sound & Sounds Media. To have your podcast recorded, send an email to info at soundandsounds.co.saday. That's info at soundandsound Hello, Vusi. My
0: name is Francis Biaruhanga, all the way from Uganda. Um, your podcast has really turned out to be a map for me in my life, moving forward from the podcast of Maps and Mirrors. Amazing insights and phenomenal information right there. And the latest podcast, Quitting, I believe
1: to me it appears that quitting is posing the pursuit
0: where you kind of retrieve, refigure out, reimagine, and then restart in a much
1: better way. Thank you so much for those valuable insights. Keep doing your thing. It's time to take your seat at the table. Find out how with Vositembe Guayo as we discuss ideas that matter, a catalyst for bold action.
0: Hello. Hello, family, and welcome to another episode of the VT Podcast. Here, we talk about ideas that matter. That was Francis coming in from Uganda, a beautiful country that is uh, home to the Baganda people as well as several other tribes. I've traveled to Uganda several times. In fact, I sit on the board of the largest accelerator, tech accelerator operating out of Uganda, called the Innovation Village, run by my good friend C.K. Jafit. And uh, Uganda is home to me. I love your beautiful country, Francis. So thank you so much for that testimonial. This week, friends, before we start, is a bit of a somber note. I wanted to pay homage and send a note of um, support. At a difficult time like this for my incredible sister, Constance Ferguson, who's lost her life partner, her friend, her best mate, her lady, as they used to call each other, and our khrutman, Shauna Ferguson. Uh, Sisconi, your loss is all of our losses, and I just wanted to say to you that from me, my family, and all of those I know who follow me, we send you um, strength at a difficult time such as this. No doubt, this is a very difficult time for all of us all over the world. And those of you who listen to this podcast from other parts of the world that might not be aware of the work of the Fergusons, I cannot recommend it enough. In fact, just go to your Netflix and look up Kings of Joburg and you'll know the incredible man we're talking about. Phenomenal gentleman, a talent, a leader, a dad. But I think just above all, a human being of incredible spirit. Says Corney. once again, our deepest condolences for your loss. This week, friends, I wanted to talk about the curse of number one. What happens once you reach number one? See, if you study the literature, there is a lot of work done both by academics and those in practice in all sorts of pursuits whether it's in sports or business arts and culture who will tell you how you go from being a nobody to a somebody how do you rise above the ranks how do you conquer beyond the level at which you're currently competing and there is techniques tools skills training that you can use to rise above the average and stand out all of that even if you get it right, even if you practice it perfectly, gets you just to that position of being recognized maybe in the top 10, usually somewhere in the top 20. So what am I saying? Well, consider the top 10 100-meter athletes in South Africa, say. Now that we're in the Olympic season, this will be a good example. All of them have a way of training, a regime that encapsulates not only their natural form, this thing we call your talent, but accelerates that natural form to allow them to reach a level of performance that makes them stand out. There is a regiment of training, of eating, of living. So there is a regime of doing things that gets you to that point. In business, where I work and practice, it's kind of the same, really. You start out somewhere and you follow a particular methodical process and it takes you from one place to the next, the next, and then the next. I remember when I was in competitive public speaking. My journey in public speaking started out when I was in high school and there was a regiment of training that my trainers at the time put us through that took me through the ranks. But once I reached the top 10, something shifts, something changes. And here's the shift and change. See, usually at the top 10 of a practice of anything, a few things happen. The first thing that happens is that everybody around you gets the benefit of a similar type of regimen of training that got them to that level. So your comparative advantage then begins to shrink because, well, naturally, you're now competing with people who are usually as gifted as you, as committed as you, and as scientifically capable as you are. And so then the differential in results tends to shrink a wee bit. And at that point, your magic kicks in, your talent kicks in, your true Gift kicks in where you take not only the natural capabilities you have mixed in with this regiment of training you followed and you add to it this natural magic, this gift that makes you stand out even farther. If you don't believe this, just go and watch, for instance, Usain Bolt's 100-meter race where he ran the 958. Before he ran the 958, which to this day is still the fastest time on record for a 100-meter athlete, um, just before he ran that time, I think Usain Bolt was eating McDonald's chicken nuggets or something. And they asked him at the time, why are you eating McDonald's chicken nuggets? And he said, well, you know, I was hungry and I just wanted to relax myself. Usain Bolt's entire comical character, the lightning bolt before the cameras, that laugh, that flashy character, those broad shoulders and that beaming smile, was his natural talent, his gift, decoupling the pressure of the moment. And what happens to a lot of people as they ascend to the throne of number one is the pressure mounts. So... What do you do when you get to that point? And this is a fundamental part about my podcast this week, The Curse of Number One. Why would I call being number one a curse? Well, think about it this way. When you are number one, you become the standard, the template. You become the form, the book that everybody reads. And so the minute you're number one, you lose the advantage of uh, surprise attacks because everybody sees you coming. After all, you're number one. The minute you enter the arena, your presence announces itself. The second thing you lose when you are number one, not only beyond the element of surprise, but you also lose the element of uh, doubt. What does that mean? See, when a number two or number three doesn't reach their natural peak performance, people can justify that and go, well, you know, he wasn't in season. When a number one doesn't reach it, people then start saying, he's just not good as he used to be. So whereas society used to give you the benefit of the doubt, the minute you become number one, you no longer get the benefit of the doubt. But the third thing you lose when you're number one, and this is Arguably, the one thing that's most important, you lose the element of being invisible. Why invisible? When I was in competitive public speaking, I was invisible. Invisible to my competitors all over the world, invisible to the judges, invisible to the entire ecosystem. Until I won. And what happens when you win is your visibility now means everything you do after that is shone under the spotlight, the glare, and the attention of everybody studying your every move. So, for instance, my techniques were studied, my diction was studied, My orientation was studied. Even my weaknesses were carefully studied. People knew that I was far better at prepared speech than I was at the impromptu. And as a consequence, every competition following that, my competitors worked really hard at impromptu to try and unseat me. Because I am now visible. So, we all hunger for being number one. And it doesn't matter what it is you do, whether you work in corporate or an entrepreneur, somebody who practices in the arts, whether you're a member of the family, the community, the church, the choir, we all naturally as human beings want to reach the status of being better than everybody else around us. And if you want to argue here that you don't, I'll tell you now, you're either lying or you've not been involved in a competitive pursuit. Everybody in a competitive pursuit enters the ring, figuratively speaking, wanting to be number one. So, the curse then of number one is quite simply this. The curse is that when you reach number one, everybody wants to beat you. Imagine it this way. If you're number one in the practice of any craft, there is a big red dot that frames the target and you're the one everybody is trying to hit. And that's why I call this podcast the curse of being number one. Jack Welch, when he took over Glen Electric, used to talk about his strategy taking over General Electric. At the time he entered the business, he had over 15 different business units in over 50 countries around the world. Jack Welch's entire strategy was in any market where we can't be number one, two or three, and in any business where we can't be number one, two or three, we exit. And indeed, he did so. He exited most businesses and most countries. But what was left behind were markets and countries in business units where they were either number one, two or three. But if you aggregate the position they held, you'll find actually that they were number two, which means as a consequence of that, Jack Welsh multiplied shareholder value, but operated number two businesses. To this day, we study him in management sciences as the doyen of leadership and management of large complex multinationals, but he ran a number two on aggregate business. Think back to the days before Uber was invented. Nobody thought about the Uber of anything. Today, almost everybody building an app that aggregates an ecosystem and creates communal access with a rating system that gives credentials and ratings to the participants in that ecosystem calls it the Uber of, because that's what happens when you're number one. In fact, just Didi, if you think about it, is a copy of the Uber business model. That's what happens When you are number one. Number one carries a lot of weight behind it, because every move you make is carefully studied by those behind you on the attempt to pip you at the proverbial post. One final example. Almost everybody in the world of marketing studies Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola, much like Unilever, is like the university that you go to when you're in the world of marketing. But you'll hear very few people talk about or study PepsiCo. But why is that? It's because PepsiCo has a natural position of number two, even though, by the way, the business models of Coca-Cola and PepsiCo are very very different. Coca Cola wants to own every type of drink that you have. PepsiCo wants to own a meal in every time you're having a meal. So they want to own something in your breakfast, your lunch, and your dinner. And in the in between meals, they want to own a snack that you're having intermittently. Very different business models. But you hear very few people in the world of marketing study PepsiCo rather than those that study Coca-Cola. It's because Coca-Cola has a perceived position of number one and as a consequence is the template that everybody studies. So why am I saying this? And why is this the idea that matters in this week's podcast? Well, it's the idea that matters in this week's podcast because here is how successful number ones stay there. First, when you reach the position of number one, you no longer feel the need to announce yourself the announcement is made so for instance even in my businesses or in our investment firm there've several successes we've had over the past 6 months that we've said nothing to the market about why because in my mind relative to those we're competing with we're occupying the number 1 position me announcing what we're doing would be me telling them the strategy and the playbook as I'm playing out my strategy and playbook So silence, quiet, stillness, preserves my element of surprise. Today, we own assets in parts of the economy that my competitors are completely unaware of. And that becomes my element of surprise. The second thing you want to do when you become number one is you want to speak only about what you've done long after you've done it. You see, the number two and three feel the need to prove themselves. They're looking for their title shot, so they're constantly calling out the champion. But if you're number one, then what you do is you play your game, you make your moves, and four moves down the line, you announce the move you made four moves ago. The reason you do that is it's because it's very hard then for those following your every move to tether the logic of what it is that you're doing. Third... When you're number one, it suits you to disappear. Hmm? Yeah. Think about that. The world's most revered champions are those that are rare to the eye. Because once human beings have an oversupply of something, they don't value it as much. So go away. Disappear. Quiet your voice. Mrs. Zulu. There's an expression where we say, which means don't become so readily available. And the less readily available you are, the more valuable your voice becomes. Maintain your element of surprise. But to those of you listening and watching this podcast, who may still be number twos, and if you want to know how you become a number one, I'll give you some very quick tips as we close this week's podcast. Tip number one. If you want to become the number one, recognize you can't beat number one at their own game. In other words, the best way to win is to fundamentally shift the game the number one is playing think about greece and how they won the euro 2002 or was it 2000 they came with the park the bus strategy the rest of the world was playing the tiki taka flair type of football greece played defend 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 and only time they'd get a break and counter attack that score one goal and defend the rest of the game shifted fundamentally the way the game was being played it's similar to jake White's strategy when he won the world championship with the Springboks. he did the very similar thing he played dirty but he won he didn't score as many tries as Rasi rasmus's team tries to score that kind of flare attacking type of rugby he defended and every time he got a counter attack that score park the bus the point here is if you shift the strategy Of the game that the number one is playing, you make the number one play according to your competencies, not theirs. In our firm, the way we did this was we thought about our business as a marketing business that operates in investments rather than an investment business that should do some marketing to tell people what we do. As a consequence, we grew the fastest largest growing community of entrepreneurs for following any venture capital firm in South Africa, as far as I know, but probably in the rest of the continent as well. Then, once we reached that position over the past year and a half, we kept quiet. The reason is when you reach number one, you change your playbook. Some people would say, keep doing what you do. I would argue, if you keep doing what you do, you'll keep getting what you've got and you end up with competitors that have adjusted themselves and have adapted to your mode of play. Third, and finally, if you're number two and you want to become number one, this is probably the most important piece of advice I'm going to give you, is you have to ask yourself the question, what are you doing that is marginally better, different, or more committal to the time?" than that which the number one is doing. If you're putting in less effort, not thinking as vigorously, not planning as hard, not taking as many risks, you will never take that number one seat away from the incumbent. So, friends, family, that's this week's podcast on ideas that matter. We love hearing from you, so I'd love for you to send us a voice note like Francis did and tell us all about these podcasts and what it is that you enjoy. Thank you so much for joining our podcast this week. From me, Vusi Tembegwai, the team at My Growth Fund, and our partners at Sound & Sounds in our studios in Joburg, sayonara. This podcast was proudly brought to you by My
1: Growth Fund in partnership with Sound & Sounds Media. To partner with us, visit mygrowthfund.co.za or email info at mygrowthfund.co.za